0: It didn't go. Oh, man, it did me. Saturday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Saturday Night WrestleManiacs presented by the Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG back in the saddle for the second time this week after a couple of days off. And this man right here next to me needs no introduction because he already firing it up, and I'm happy to say that he is back as well. The one, the only Nubian sumo. Welcome back, brother.
1: It's good to be back. Glad to be missed. It's been a while. It's been what it's been about a month since I've been on here, right? Yeah. So
0: that is true. It's, it's been a, a rough month for you because who boy that big job been working you something terrible. Man,
1: yeah. 12 hour days, seven days a week. You know, Mother Nature's killing a brother, but hey, them chicks is right.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why we spend the Thanksgiving at <laughs> Show House.
1: <laughs> got the 25-pound turkey ready.
0: Shit, man. Don't get me started. <laughs> so first and foremost, as with tradition on Saturday night, what you smoking, what you drinking?
1: All right. So first of all, I got the punch chop suey going tonight being that is uh, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva going on here a little bit later on in the evening. And as you can see by the emptiness of this bottle, I've been attacking this pretty well. It's called the Oak. It's called Oak and Eden. And I don't know if you can notice, but there is a stick inside this bottle, what they call a spire. And what this is, is that it is b- finished inside the bottle. So once they bottle this, they put this French oak spire inside it. So the longer that you wait, or the longer that that spire sits in this bourbon, the more is coming from this French oak spire. So it changes the taste of the liquor as it sits. mm Almost like sitting in the bed, still almost like it's still being in the barrel. Hmm. So yeah, we've been we've been attacking this pretty well over here at the abode in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm here with my brother, our most loyal fan, Mr. William Raj Thompson. He's he's out of town, so I got the house to myself. So when we get done with this, I'm- <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, we're in the wrong place right now. Cause
1: uh, I got I got twelve hours left. <laughs> you gonna be back at about ten o'clock tomorrow morning. So I got twelve hours left
0: to, to get it in. Well, I will be. I, I will be getting you out of here as soon as I possibly can. That is number one. Uh, and speak, there you go, right there. <laughs> you go right there. <laughs> What's going on, Raj? How you feeling, man? Hope you're enjoying yourself,
1: Raj. As I said, I will have a glitter check before you get back. Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall for that one. <laughs> now, today it, it, it's special. The, uh, the, the people's choice, Don Rodriguez, is. is under the weather so he turned it over to the Nubian sumo and myself and told us you know hey if you guys can come up with something go ahead he said man I, I can't sing today i ain't got no voice i can't sing today so we put it together and then he comes back and says well why would y'all choose to do this when i can't talk it was just a choice it was something that was loaded i was like let's go with it let's run with it so possibly the anniversary 37 years ago The anniversary of, in my opinion, if not the greatest wrestling promo, it's top three of all time. And that is the Hard Times promo by Dusty Rhodes. (laughs) There's a message for you. (laughs) Make sure you clean up. I, I said
1: I'd do a glitter check. <laughs> Did I not? Hey oh, look, man. it's homecoming time, okay? <laughs> and for all those who don't know, that is the logo for North Carolina Central University. The great the best homecoming ever is next weekend. So that's why you
0: won't see me again. I'm taking a break. Mm. Yes, yeah, I'm so- taking another break. <laughs> got, got, got to get them in here, but see, I, I, I had to choose this one. I, I got the, the the honor of choosing this topic. Number one, I seen it, but number two, I couldn't think of a better crew to have this conversation with other than yourself, Perry, Raj, um, the Midnight Rider, Ben, because the the amount of 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 fandom that we have for the industry, for, for I'm talking about not this what we have now, I'm talking about the history of wrestling, the amount of fandom we have for it. And that promo being such a, a, a a guiding light um, to us as fans. Now people say you can't hear pictures, but I'm sure you can hear that picture for those that are watching along. I'm sure you can hear that picture right there. And I'm talking about hard time, daddy. So, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you got a backstory. I know you got more information that's ever been said about this promo. So I'm about to sit back. I'm mm-hmm. about to listen. And Perry, if you out there, I know you can chime in too. Just please. Greatest promo in the history of wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, I, I would say a couple of macho mains has got to be up in the top five as well, especially – those he did against Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and, of course, um, the Rocks promo against uh, Billy Gunn, where he called him Bob. Those top five, man. But hard times promo. What you got, Nubian Sumo?
1: Well, let's see. October 1985. So that would make me 15 years old. Just getting into just well, not quite in high school, still junior high school. And I watched this as it happened. Okay. I was watching that Saturday night, that Saturday night when it happened. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people talk about the promo, but not a lot of people talk about what led into that promo. So let's kind of discuss that a little bit. So I don't know if anybody remembers, but it was maybe a month prior, month or so prior, where Ric Flair defended the World NWA World Heavyweight Championship in a cage against Nikita Koloff at the Omni in Atlanta. <clears throat> now, for those of you who remember, or those those of you who are not familiar, Ric Flair won the match, okay, and this is famous footage, and you can look this up on YouTube. Ric Flair wins the match. Nikita Koloff attacks Ric Flair, still in the cage. Ivan Koloff comes into the ring and helps Nikita Koloff attack Ric Flair. Crusher Khrushchev Attacks the referees on the outside. Keeps tries to keep the cage out locked and keep people out from disturbing what's going on in the ring. <clears throat> All of a sudden, you have Dusty Rhodes come out and get attacks. Cup crusher Khrushchev, Gets into the ring. Attacks from and Nikita Koloff. They bugger off. Dusty Rose is trying to help and see, what, see if uh, Ric Flair is all right. Ric Flair is pointing, is that on the ground, leaning up against the ropes, pointing at him. Like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Then all of a sudden, you have Arn and Ole Anderson jump into the ring, jump Dusty. Ric Flair goes over to the door, locks the door, locks the cage door. All four of them attack him. Flair, uh, Dusty's getting held down by Arn and Ole. Flair goes up to the top rope. And while Dusty's leg is draped over the bottom rope, knee drop onto the leg, breaks the ankle. You got all these wrestlers, Rock and Roll Express, uh, Sam Houston Jr., Magnum TA all of these baby faces trying to get into the ring. They eventually get into the ring. The Andersons and Flair bugger off. You got got Dusty and all these wrestlers in there in the the middle of the ring tending to Dusty because now his ankle's broken. They take down the ring. They take off the bottom and second ropes, slide him through, take him to the hospital. He's got a compound fracture of of the soft uh, the soft—he—it's he around his ankle. It's supposed to be some kind of soft tendon or soft muscle or whatever. But it's—but his ankle's been broken, easily swells up very easily, and you know, things of that nature. So then he's out for about a month. Ric Flair cuts the cuts the promo uh, like the week before this hard times promo. Ric Flair comes out and cuts the promo that I'm sure everybody's seen. This suit costs $800 and your suit might cost $100 and yours I'd be ashamed to even wear. I'm sure everybody's seen that promo, that promo from that um, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling show and then the next week is when the hard times promo comes up. So that's where you get the Hard Times promo from. And you and everything that he said in the Hard Times promo was actually happening around that time. The steel workers, the auto workers, you know, every everything that he was saying was happening around that time. You know, so it was poignant. It was it was to the point. It was relevant at that time now you get people who listen to it now and you'd be like and they'd be like he was just sitting there rambling i mean you just sit there talking it was, it was almost incoherent with what he was talking about it made no sense but at that time it did make sense it was a man who had just went through what could have been a career-changing incident that just came back and is now finding out that he is going to be in one of the biggest shows of the year, Starcade '85, with a chance to win the world's heavyweight championship against the man who hurt him. So yes, it's very poignant. It's very poignant. It's very relevant, which made which was which is what made it memorable, which was what made it strong which made it what it is. This is why people are talking about it 37 years later. That's why you have the anniversary of it because nobody's gonna celebrate something they don't care about.
0: And what's crazy is so many people, maybe in the last couple of months, they, they, they know about it from tiktok they don't know all of it all they know is my belly may be a little bit big my honey may be a little bit big I, that's all they know is about it from them using it on tiktok when i heard it on tiktok i said that's from the greatest promo of all time and most people don't even know the backstory of it they don't know where it came from and to say that he took three minutes to write that and people came up to him at shows for years and cried because he talked about their plight. But see, here's it, the thing.
1: Here's the thing, though. He didn't write that. He didn't write that. You're talking about a time when you didn't have scripts. You didn't have people writers telling you what to say or what to or how to feel. This was something he 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 knew what he came from. He knew what led up to this. He knew where this was going. And he knew he had to sell a show, put butts in seats. But that's what that's what Dusty Rhodes did. He had a mouthpiece. He didn't need a script. He didn't need to write it down. That all came from his head right there. And that's what they used to do back in the day. That's how they did that. You didn't see him right in the, in the back. Writing down what he was gonna say on the on a promo, you never saw that. That's all that stuff came from right up here on the yeah. spot, and that's what happened with that. That's what made that so organic. Maybe he did sound like he was rambling, or maybe he was just talking, you know, talking, you know, talking just to hear himself talk or whatever, or he was just saying stuff that was out of place. But that's what made it real. That's what made it relevant. That's what made it that made people feel it because it wasn't written down, it wasn't scripted it wasn't something that somebody else gave him that's what came from him at that moment at that time for a reason for a purpose
0: and my cousin Daryl, the, the human wrestling almanac says one of the greatest talkers of all time and Raj chimed in E-Funk, you know. I, with this promo, and I've told you this before, you know, my youngest granddaughter, when she used to cry, she was younger. She'd get ready to turn two in a couple of months, but when she was younger, I would actually play that promo and she would calm down when I played that promo. She would literally calm down and watch that. She watched it in all. And I'm like, if I can get her started on this, I know I'm doing something right, but that 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 promo will will always go down as possibly the greatest of all time because of the tone who dusty was um he he was just a he was he was a working man's champion and you know just everything about him and we're not even going to talk about the business side of the business you know him being a booker and 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 coming up with Starcade and and, and all all the great NWA pay-per-views that he came up with that I really wish that WWE would stop sullying his name with these pay-per-views. Like, you had Halloween Havoc on a Saturday. Halloween Havoc should have been tonight. I'm sorry. It should have been tonight or you could have put it on on Sunday or something. But Halloween Havoc should have been a pay-per-view, a real pay-per-view. Not NXT on TV. No, that should have been a pay-per-view. Starcade should be a pay-per-view bash at the beach should be a pay-per-view because those are things that dusty put into place. And those are things that we know are part of his lasting legacy. And you not giving us that proper. It upsets me, but we're not talking about that. Let me get off that soapbox before we go off the rails. Now this promo 37 years ago, it's a TikTok sound now. Um, everybody's talk, Everybody's really been talking about it lately, but I will say this. I don't think there are too many promos that hit harder than the Hard Times promo. There's some that can that, that, that seem like it can get close, but nothing can top it.
1: The only one, the only promo that I can think of that can even come close would be the pipe bomb. Mm. Mm. And I mean, and that came real close. That came very close. But it but still you can't you can't top you can't top Dusty and in, in the hard times promo. I mean if you're looking for if you're a, if you're looking to start you a promo class and you need a video, and you need a video to say this is how a promo is supposed to be. That's the first promo you play.
0: Now, let me ask you a question before we move on to our next topic. If you had to choose five promos of all time, and your wrestling knowledge is way deeper than mine, and, and so is Raj, so is uh, Perry, and, and Daryl's too. If you had to choose five promos in order from one through five, what are the top five promos in your book? Top five, I
1: got, I got to, I got to run them. I just can't say in no
0: particular order. I got to run them. Let's go. If you if you can't if you can't put them in order, I'll just take five and we'll put them in order
1: said what one and two are for of me. Okay. okay. Dusty one CM Punk Pipe Bomb Two. <sighs> um re- I believe it was Russell Palooza ninety-seven, the promo that. Um, the Dudley Boys and um, what was their manager's name at that time? I can't... I just had his name on the the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it now. Uh, Joel Gertner. They came out. They were supposed to have a match, I believe, with Tommy Dreamer and um, the Sandman. And they came out and they cut a promo that almost turned that the Hammerstein Ballroom into a riot. I mean, the pure vit- venom that was spitting from Bubba Ray's and Devon's mouths to these people, to the point that got them so hyped up and so fucked up that they wanted to actually leave their seats and kill these people in this ring. I mean, pure heat. Pure heat. Uh, Let's see. We'll be another one. The promo that pretty much changed wrestling. The introduction of the NWO at Bash at the Beach, when Flair came out, dropped the leg on Macho Man, and then he cut that promo. You can call this the new world order of professional wrestling. That one, it may not have affected a lot of people. It may have been like a side note to whatever actually happened. But you wouldn't have the reaction that you had about them just doing that and going into the next show without that promo. You saw all those people throwing all that trash into the, into the ring and throwing bottles and hitting, for you know, all the, everybody expressing themselves as to why, Hogan, why? Why would you do that? You know, so they could have ended the show right there. And nothing, and went to the and went to that following Nitro, and let it happen. But that promo was what put that over the top. And my last one. And see, you caught me on this one. You caught me. You caught me on on this because I wasn't expecting you to do this. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do. I've done it to y'all, so I guess this is my receipt. Okay. Uh Ah, yes. The night Shane Douglas won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship in the in the ECW and dropped the title. He won the belt against – he won the belt in a, in a tournament final against two, two cold Scorpio, and then he cut a, a promo afterwards where he talk about, yeah, this, this, the belt has so much history. The Terry Funks, the big men, like the big man, you, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 even Flair. Yeah, Flair too. So much history, so much prestige, and they can all kiss my ass. Mm. I'm here for the sport of professional wrestling. That's why I am now pronouncing the, the Eastern Championship, the Eastern Ch- Champion, Eastern Championship Wrestling, Heavyweight Championship is now the new ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And this belt will represent the true sport of professional wrestling. Mm. Nobody knew he was going to do that except for two people, Paul Heyman and himself. Was their way of getting out from under the NWA, breaking off into their own thing, changing the name from Easter Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling, and bringing wrestling, independent wrestling, to the forefront in people's minds. In the same year, 2000, in the year 2000, in the same year that TNA started. Hmm. Which was still under the auspices of NWA at that time. That is true. So when Shane Douglas dropped the belt and and, and made the ECW championship a world title, they took their ball and went to TNA. And that's when you get your Jeff Jarrett's, Ronda Truth killings, Kurt Angle's, Samoa Joe's. You get all that from, from TNA to Impact, to right before they uh, became Impact. So, yeah, all history, all promos that led into history making situations.
0: Within professional wrestling, I can't be mad at that. Um, I, I that's a damn solid list. Look, I'm, I'm looking at my list, I'm like, shit, mine ain't that damn solid. <laughs> that's a solid list. Uh, Raj chiming in, uh, Jake Roberts cutting a promo on the ultimate warrior. Trust me, doing the crossover to heart. <coughs> damn, that's oof. any. I think Jake Roberts is one of the one of. I think he's got to be top five when it comes to promos. And they used to call him one take Jake because he would come in do one take and knock out a promo and walk the hell out. He wasn't... He was no joke on the mic. Right. Uh, Daryl chimed in. He said the promo Sting did when they thought he joined the NWO before he started being in the rafters, he never faced the camera doing a promo. Sting, you know what? Sting's another one. Like, Sting, Sting's another one that... I remember as a kid watching NWA. Now, this is before WCW, of course. I remember watching Sting do promos against uh Rick Flair. Pure gold. Now to,
1: to, to speak
0: on that particular promo, you do
1: realize that after that promo, he didn't say a word, not one syllable, not one letter for eighteen months. A whole year and a half, he did not say one solitary word to build that character, build that uh that character, up, mm-hmm. that crow,
0: crow sting character. Up. And it, he he got over with it because Don't. that that's around the time he started. He also started pulling out the bat, pulling the bat out on people as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm. Now, see, you got me thinking now. Now I'm like, y'all done brought up so much stuff, y'all got me rethinking my own damn list, but it's my list, so I don't think I have to <laughs> rethink it. But damn, now, now I'm going to be up all night on damn YouTube watching all these damn promos. But for me, of course, number one is Dusty. Number two, number two and three, cream of the crop, Macho Man Savage, Randy Savage. The cream always rises to the top. That promo right there and number three, cup of coffee in the big leagues. We're not going to do the goggles today. We're not going to do the goggles today. Cup of coffee in the big leagues. That right there has to be number three because the way he did that and just the promos he did, period, always stuck with me. Um, Number four, didn't really change wrestling too much. It was just funny on time and it was just it, it was hilarious and they asked Billy Gunn about it years later and and you know they asked him did you have a problem with the rock burying you with the Bob promo he said no I loved it you know if for those who don't remember you know he said Billy Gunn got down on his knees and said God my name's Billy Gunn and I absolutely suck and his house began to shake and the roof ripped off and God himself showed up and said Bob but my name's Billy it doesn't matter what your name is that right there, that right there, I could watch that on loop 10, 15 times. That's number four for me. Um, number five, when that no, let me reverse that. Number four has to be uh, Austin 316. The king of the ring, Austin 316 means I just whipped your ass. That whole promo right there, that changed from the golden era to the attitude era. And in actuality, attitude era had already came in before that but they always say that that's the signal of the change into the attitude there. Um, number five would have to be the rock going against uh, Billy Gunn with the, with the Bob promo. That would have to be number five. So not as a side of a list, but mine's a different, you know, these mean something to wrestling, but a lot of them mean something to me. So right. that's just my list. But, um, and,
1: and as an honorable mention, I got I got I got to give credit or kudos or even my his flowers to one of the most influential speakers talkers for me and that'll be New Jack New Jack New Jack <laughs> Mhm. Promos that I mean, you couldn't put on television today at all. I mean, like, um, like one time when he when he first when one of the first promos he cut when he was in um, Mid South with Jim Cornette, he was in the ring with Jim Cornette, and he was like, "Yeah, brother, let me give a shout out to OJ. Two more gone. Great job, bro."
0: That'll get you canceled today. That, exactly. that you. This is cancel culture. That will get you canceled today. You're done. Exactly.
1: Talking about all the rednecks and King Turkey. Man, I mean, you know, it, I mean, just just his whole, I mean, just his every promo he's ever cut, every interview that he's ever done. I mean, I'm just mesmerized by you know just watching him. And the stuff that he just comes out of his mouth. So I mean, I, I mean, I went through, I went through YouTube, and I believe I've watched everything that he has he has on YouTube because I mean, it's just he's just that fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Was just just to just to sit there and watch him talk about people the way he talked about uh, Chris Jericho, the way he talked about. Um, uh, uh, what is it? What is his name? Vic Vicious, the guy that he went up on the scaffold with on EC- in ECW. He, uh, they both fell down, the, fell off the scaffold, and that's how New Jack uh, cracked his skull mm-hmm. and lost one of his eyes and whatnot because he landed on him. He had to pull him <clears throat> instead of him jumping together. He had to pull him down, and he wound up landing on his head. <clears throat> but yes, yeah, was- for anybody that has not seen a New Jack. Promo. You just need to just go on Google on, on the Google machine or, or YouTube and just type in New Jack promos or New Jack interviews. Get some and you, you have yourself a good time because I know I did.
0: Uh, yeah, and I I agree with that. And we talked about New Jack extensively um before his passing we were talking about maybe i think a week or two before his passing we had a extensive conversation about him and man gold that's what he was on the mic gold you don't find too many like that and it's it's a lot of wrestlers male and female that we talk about here on this show and we always say do they have the mic skills do they need a mouthpiece can they do it By talking, or do they have to have somebody talk for them? And a lot of them, they have to have somebody to talk for them.
1: And that's why he never made it to the WWF or the WWE, because it's not that they didn't trust him in the ring. They didn't trust him on the mic, because you never knew what he was going to say with a live mic in his hand.
0: Agreed. Never knew. Agreed. Now, our next topic, and this is like, I know the people's choice Don Rodriguez is a little upset with us because we chose this as the next topic. But uh
1: Well we can play his we can play his little uh his little gimmick that he gave us earlier. We we can put that on if you know.
0: We we, can, can, we, we can do that. We can do that. I can pull that up and we can do that. Um yeah. but let, let me let me work on that, but let me throw this out here so I can hear your what if because I, I I've thought about this for years. Um it's a what if and you know just to let you know here at sideline junkies with the WrestleManiacs and all the shows that come on during the week we want to start doing what ifs you know just trying to play around with the with the uh with, with with the show and just you know throwing some things out there um my cousin robert he used to hate when I used to do a limb bias. What if because I would go down the rabbit hole and probably talk for 45 minutes about what could have been, what should have been. Imagine this. Imagine that. He used to always tell me, man, now I'm going to be up all night thinking about all these daggone scenarios. You to mess my damn night up. Hey, man, it's the things that I want to see. So I, and this is one of them one of them things that I, I wish he was here to, to, to hear this one because I know he would like this. But uh, I would if tonight is none other than the king of hearts, the black heart, the rocket. I am not a nugget himself, Mr. Owen Hart. And the what if is, imagine if you will, take a trip in time with me. What if the rocket, Owen Hart, the blue blazer, uh, the black heart, whatever you want to call him, what if he didn't pass on that night in May? in 1999 what if the stunt was successful and if i'm not mistaken he was slated to win the intercontinental championship from the godfather correct
1: yes that's okay.
0: true everything goes as planned. he wins the <clears throat> intercontinental championship uh and at that time in 99 the landscape of wrestling had kind of changed and he he wasn't too happy with the attitude there himself. But now if he would have held on just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, and everything happened, the influx of talent that would have came over in the coming two years. Yeah, two years. Cause uh Jericho came over in ninety nine. Jericho came over a little while after uh, on Hart's passing. So imagine him and Jericho, uh, him and Guerrero, him and Malenko, uh, him and Benoit. And you got guys that come in. Some of them even trained in the dungeon with the Hart family. Uh, but you also got guys that come in that fit what Owen was good at. Because it wasn't too many people in WWF at the time that fit with Owen, the way that Jericho, uh, 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 Guerrero, Ben Ben Benoit, and 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 and, and Malenko would have fit, but just what if? Now I'm gonna throw this to you. I'm gonna get this set up for uh, what Don had to say, and see if I can get that in there. But take this what if and and and, and paint a picture.
1: Well, I mean, you just painted a picture right there with that little bit. I mean, think about that. Owen versus Benoit. That's an instant classic right there. Owen versus Eddie Guerrero. Another instant classic. Dean Malenko. Perry Satter. Let's not forget about Perry Satter. I mean, he was... He was a pretty good technical wrestler in his own right, even though they made him out to be crazy as hell. But, you know, he had his crazy moments, but he was still hell in the ring. Get what I I did there, Rings of Saturn, hell in the ring? You missed that, didn't you? (laughs) Believe (laughs) me, I got you. I got you with that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and then Jericho, you know. him, And you have to realize, he probably had faced all these guys before when he was in New Japan. Cuz remember, the same time Owen Hart held the junior heavyweight the IWGP junior heavyweight championship, you had Chris Jericho over there as Corazon de Leon. You had Eddie Guerrero over there as Black Tiger. You had Malenko coming in and out. So he, he, he he's faced most of these guys already. And then, just to take this a little further, would the New Heart Foundation, Harry Smith and Tyson Kidd, would they have lasted or done better? with Owen Hart as their manager, or influencing them in some, in some, in some way with the, while they were there uh, with uh, Natalia in that fold as well. So you got to think about that too. What would he have done as a cruiserweight? Would he have dropped as a, to a cruiserweight? And does something with the cruiserweight championship? Would he have stayed a heavyweight? Maybe he'd have been world champion. Maybe well WWE champion. You know, I mean? you know how I feel about that situation. But uh, or let's say he would. He he decided he wasn't willing to wait and went to WCW. What would he have done with the cruiserweights over there, with a Rey Mysterio psychosis, Ultimo Dragon, Ki- Billy Kidman? It's, it's it man, it's, it's a lot to ponder. It's a it's a lot to ponder. It's a it's so many scenarios out there. What if he'd have went back to Japan? Him and Prince Booker. Him and Prince Devitt when they first, when Devitt first got started around to around around 2000, 2001. Uh You still had um, Tetsuya Naito in the cruiserweight division. Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, uh, so so many so many different wrestlers that could have. Come out of that um, junior heavyweight uh, in the, in uh, in New Japan. It, 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 it's, 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 it's just so many
0: that what if goes real deep, oceanic. And see, my, that that's that's why I chose that, and and that's how it is with the what ifs. And, and Daryl just chimed in; he brought up a good one. Him in the great of Now that right there, I would I I'd pay money to see that. Yeah, I'd pay money to see that. And I was riding, thinking today, and now now pull my coat and follow me on this one. Imagine now Jericho idolized Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. He idolized him. Imagine Jericho in a in a feud with Owen Hart. That would and and just the 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 type of people that Owen and, and, and Jericho are to be able to build that six months. And it could all start as a feud over the IC championship. Because even though Owen could have been top star and he I loved him in you know as a, a tag team partner of the rock. I loved him as a part of the nation. Everybody say that's uh that's where Sami Zayn and the Usos come in because Owen was a part of the what? nation. From. damn right that's where they yeah.
1: got from exactly. I and,
0: <laughs> exactly. and the thing is I loved Owen with the nation I, I, I loved Owen when he when he made a heel turn because you believed it but now imagine him and I don't mean Owen as the blue blade I mean we get Owen Hart versus Chris Jericho and just the, the, the amount of technical wrestling that you would see between them two the amount of, maybe not even high-flying, but the amount of work that would be put in with those two. And, you know, both of them being Canadian, uh, uh, Jericho, I mean, they would have to come out with Jericho, Idolize, Owen, but that whole thing, because around 99, I, I want to say that's when The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, all ascended to main event status. So you had to have somebody to carry that next level with the Intercontinental Championship. The European Championship was being held back and forth between Shane and, 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 and X Pop. And that was a that right there was a damn uh, a, a good um a good rivalry, but that's very, very underrated. Imagine Owen beating up on X-Pop. Owen beating up on Shane. Just just the things that could possibly happen. It is so much that you could book, I think they could have booked maybe at least a year or two out with the amount of things that they would be be able to do just with one rivalry. That thing would be locked up for two years at least if you wanted to go that long. But in the long run, I think Owen would have moved himself from the IC chase and maybe upper mid-card status. He would have moved himself into the WWF championship race with – Triple H, Stone Cold, The Rock. And then when Stone Cold went down, instead of it being Triple H and The Rock, you would have been able to move Owen in there. And he would have been able to be the bridge to the next generation. Because The Rock wound up leaving going to make movies. Stone Cold had to retire. Uh, Triple H was carrying everything, but it just kind of sort of got a little redundant because once he started getting hurt he had nobody to feud with that was on his level. Everybody else had to make the come up. Imagine him and Owen going back and forth. I don't think, you know, if that was the case, I think Bret Hart would have wound up coming back to WWF. I don't. And and honestly, and the people's choice Don Rodriguez. I'm gonna play his clip in a second. He made a point of a ripple that possibly could have happened with Bret Hart and how things could have changed now thinking of that imagine if we still got Shawn Michaels back and you got Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart you got all of these everything all in one in one box man and it's just like it's so much you can't even put a lid on it because it's so much and and Daryl chimed in he says him and Rey Mysterio would have been a classic. That's what James just said. That is that is absolutely correct. That that luchador style that you didn't see very very often in WWE until you had an influx of WCW talent. I, I love it. I love it. Now let me play this from from the People's Choice Don Rodriguez. Hold on, hold on. Let me get this right so we can get this. Hold on. Here we go. This is his Ripple. This is from the People's Choice. Oh,
1: Jim. Give his voice. He sounds like Froggy from the damn Little Rascals and shit. But he odd. <laughs> right.
0: And y'all throwing the daggone on Owen Hart thing. Well, you know I can't talk,
1: but can you at least include from my perspective that there's two ripple effects from the Owen Hart thing. The first is that he wouldn't have left the WWE being Bret Hart. And that would have eliminated the Montreal Screwjob. So that would have changed history and possibly the creation of Mr. McMahon. Two, Brett's career and his longevity would have ended probably the way he would envision it because he wouldn't have been in WCW to get injured to the point where he had to retire from Goldberg because he wouldn't have been there. So we
0: could have uh, Brett Hart wrestling at the level of Kurt Angles and Shawn Michaels and stuff like that right now. So
1: that's just my quick two cents if y'all could slide that in because we
0: talked about that before and I think that would be it. And that's the people's choice Don Rodriguez who's under the weather but he's, he's still contributing and he's absolutely right. There's so many avenues that you can go down and it's like when you throw a pebble, pebble into a body of water and you see the ripples go out, it's so many ripples that could happen. And then I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, go down a, the, the, the timeline a little further. Owen Hart versus Kurt Angle. You know, I, I just... And then once Owen decides to hang him up and, you know, in the in-ring career, imagine him being head trainer of the developmental territories. Imagine him being head trainer of... NXT, you know, imagine that, yeah, imagine man. what could have been Ohio Valley. All Ohio, those, yeah. I forgot about Ohio Valley with imagine him coming, you know, him producing the John Cena's the, the Brock Lesnar's the, the Shelton Benjamins and Charlie Haases, the, the the Batista's all of the greats that came out of Ohio Valley imagine him producing those guys and training them about the business not just teaching them in the ring, but teaching them about the business because this has been his thing for his whole life. Going it's... back,
1: going back, or going back though a little bit to what Don was to what Don was saying uh, about um, the Montreal screw job. Owen would probably have been involved in that in some kind of way to try to probably smooth that over or he could have been there to make it worse. My thing was, my thing would have been that he would have been the one to come between Brett and Vince to where, A, he'd have never spit on, Vince. Brett would have never spit on Vince. Well, no, that, he probably couldn't have stopped the spit. He'd have stopped the punch in the locker room. And then He'd have probably smoothed things over to, with Brett to the point where Brett wouldn't have left the way he did. He may have still he may still have left because he was in his feelings about what happened and the way it happened. But I believe Owen would have probably had a calming influence in making that work out a little differently or coming up with an idea that would have smoothed everything over to the point where it would have worked out better and there would have been no Montreal screwdriver. But let me bring this but let me bring this to you. If Owen has still been alive, would Brian Pillman be in the heart foundation? I believe so. You think so?
0: I think so. I,
1: I would think that it would eventually been Owen and Pillman uh, going up against each other, and maybe after that, they may have brought him in. but I think the only reason he came in was because they were looking to fill a hole where that bread left that um, Owen left. I don't think he would have been. I don't think he would have been a member of the Heart Foundation if Owen hadn't passed.
0: Well, wasn't wasn't Pillman? A, Pillman was a member of the Heart Foundation before that. If I'm so not mistaken, Owen, so, so
1: Owen and Owen and Owen and Pillman were in the Heart Foundation
0: together at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, that's what that picture says. It's a picture that's on.
1: I was, they, to, I was trying I to think of the drawing where they were pissing where they were pissing on the flag.
0: I think Pillman was in that. I know Pillman was in it, but was Owen. I believe he was
1: Brett, anvil, bulldog. There were five. I do. I do believe there were five people in that picture.
0: Yeah. So it, it was been Owen. Owen. Yeah, it was Owen, Pillman, Brett, Anvil, Bulldog. Give me one second. I will bring that up as a graphic. Why you do me like that? Uh oh. Why you do me like that? I will bring that up as a graphic. I love doing this. This is this is the fun part of my job doing this.
1: Okay, so it. wait a minute. Okay, so okay, so Owen around that time, Owen and Bulldog had the tag titles, right?
0: You you know what? I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't remember. I don't remember who had the tag titles then. But I, I, I remember. Owen,
1: I think there was a time during that time that Owen and Bulldog had the tag titles. Cause they were double champions. I think one. I think they were they were double champions at that time. I believe one of them had the Intercontinental belt. One of them had the European belt, and they both had the tag titles, if I'm not mistaken, at some point. And I think I think
0: Pillman was involved around that time. And you're right. You're right. You're right. And see that that takes us down another rabbit hole. What if Pillman never had the accident? That tore his ankle up, and he was still flying. Brian all together. Then imagine that. Imagine him and Owen and a few. Now, and this is the the graphic. This is the picture that James is talking about right here. For those that are watching, that that's Owen, Brian, Brett, Anvil, and Bulldog, and then, you know they were all in the hot Foundation together, and and it's another one where they were in the ring, and you know it's always brett's the only one in color everybody else is in black and white and it's it, you know basically the always the caption is it's hard hard to believe that brett's the only one left right which it is but, hard to believe
1: but actually the picture i was thinking of was the drawing remember somebody did a drawing where they were all had their backs to the to they all had their backs to the picture and they were all pissing on a on the flag they were all pit they were all pissing on the American flag that's the that's the what that's the picture I was actually thinking of but yeah, okay all right but yeah I'm, that's what I'm that's what I was thinking I was thinking like Owen and Pillman in a um in a feud together because you know that's the only reason they put him and Austin together hmm Really? I think they, I think they were supposed. To, I think they were supposed to end up in a feud at some point, but then he passed away, and then they put him and Austin together because Austin. Because Austin, I believe I remember Austin saying, you know, he didn't say that that was the reason for it, but you know, he was. He said he was saying that he was always thinking about Owen at that time, even though him and Pillman were cool because they were tag team partners, tag mm-hmm. team champions but there was something in an interview where he I believe he said something about Owen being involved some type of way so um
0: I mean, that's been so long ago yeah, that was uh wow how long ago man we talking 25 years now right right so, and it's crazy because we 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 sit here and we talk about what ifs and and scenarios and everything. We come up with so much good stuff. And this is something that Ben likes to say, content. And this is one of those content type shows, because no matter which way you go, you're going to pull up something. You're going to find something. You're going to do something. You're going to say something. And it's going to start you. You're going to go down a rabbit hole and say it. Then you're going to go down another rabbit hole. and you're going to go down another rabbit hole. And just the, the possibility of what ifs, it's fascinating but it's also sad because the great things that we can sit here and we can come up with and that's one of the hardest parts of doing a what if show the greatest things that you come up with we never get to experience and we can only experience them in you know a dream sequence but the hardest part is that we never got to experience it and i believe this is the, the picture you're talking about that's the picture i'm talking about yeah that's the picture i'm talking about yep I did some digging. I found it. I love Google. I love Google. But I, I mean, the 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 amount of feuds, matches, and the thing is, Owen was just, it was just it was a love of the business. So it, it wasn't like you know he had to have the title in his hands, but imagine how many times he would have got match of the year in PWI. Uh, you know, feud of the year, those type of things can't be replaced, man. It can't be. And I, what's what's crazy is he was getting ready to walk away from wrestling altogether because he didn't like the way the WWE was going. And the, think about it, I don't think he would have walked away completely. I think he would have took some time off, but I think he would have went to WCW and joined brett
1: He would have either went to WW, WCW and joined Brett, or he'd have opened up his own school. Now, can you imagine the wrestlers that could have come out of that school? Mm-hmm. And Think, we, about, we... think about it. That was what? You said that was what? 99, 2000? Mm-hmm. Yep. When, when he passed? 99. So let's give, him, let's give him two more years that he would have stayed in and he would have Let's give him one year when he left. And he, and he would leave the business because he was tired of being involved in the attitude era. So that's what, 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Think about all the wrestlers that started wrestling. In 2000, 2001. Brian Danielson. Um, what's his name? Um, Paul London, his tag team partner. Mark Gendrack. Uh, no, not, I'm not talking about Gendrack, but he's, one, he's another one. I'm thinking more. I was thinking of uh, Spanky. Spain. Remember when Ball mm. London had that tag team partner that they were the tag team champions in WWF?
0: And I can't think of his name.
1: I can't. Uh, I can't think of his. I can't think of the name that he. Uh, Brian. No, no, no. What is it? Uh, Brian Kendrick.
0: Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Brian Kendrick. Think about him training under Owen Hart. Hmm.
0: I'm going to throw another name out there. Evan Bourne. Yeah. Evan Evan Bourne and I loved Evan Bourne. I am thinking that if he would have had a little bit more training, we would have got a little bit more of him. Right. Cuz you know, he got hurt to the point where he couldn't wrestle no more. He he, he...
1: Evan Bourne's still wrestling? I thought he re- I thought he had to retire. Yeah. Evan Bourne Evan Bourne, as a matter of fact, is involved in the NWA. He's involved in New Japan Strong. Hmm. He's wrestling in Independence right now. He's still half-lying? Yes, he is. Wow. But he's got I... this, he's got this gimmick now where he's doing like this guru thing. You know, the third, the third eye is telling him stuff. And, you know, he's trying to teach. So I had to bring folks in and teach folks how you know what what to do and how to do and how to be how to be a a true professional wrestler, and he says you know and so yeah he's doing he's doing that thing, but uh, yeah he's he's been an impact, he's been in um, he went to Japan for a little while, but yeah he's still wrestling. Hmm. Did not know that.
0: Daryl chimed in. He said Kofi too. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: Kofi. Owen and Kofi, yeah, and you—you you think you would have got the 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 Jay Lethals, um, the 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 uh, Xavier Woods or Austin Creed at the time? You'd have got a lot of those guys coming through. And Consequences Creed, yes, Consequences Creed. He goes Austin Creed Consequ- on um, Twitter.
1: Yeah, Consequences Creed. Uh, hell. Uh, what's his name? Uh Monty Brown. The alpha male. Mm. Imagine mm. imagine him being under the learning tree of Owen Hart. He went to WWE as Marcus Varkan. And stunk up the place because they didn't know what to do with him. But imagine him being under. Now he was when he was an Impact, he was the man. He couldn't be touched when he was in when he was in a TNA. But when he got to WWE, they didn't know what to do with him, and they just threw him in there with no guidance, no training, no nothing, and he just floundered. Mm. He couldn't. Back from that. imagine somebody like Monty Brown being in the being under the learning tree of Owen Hart.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Now, if you fast forward a little bit and we, we move into the 2000, let's say we'll go up to 2008, 2009, when you had uh. The, the likes of Samoa Joe and Ring of Honor with CM Punk, you had uh, uh, TNA, uh, uh, which was still under NWA, some of the best tag team wrestling you've ever seen with beer money, uh, Motor City Machine Guns, uh, Team 3D, some of the greatest wrestling you've ever seen. Then imagine out of nowhere, especially if they did Main Event Mafia, the four the Main Event Mafia, It's none other than Owen Hart. Him and and Jeff Jarrett as a tag team, I always thought that it was something special about that. Because Jeff Jarrett was Jeff Jarrett, but it was always Owen being Owen. And it's like the way they worked with each other in the ring, the way they worked around each other, and they got it done, it's like, damn, I didn't want them to win, but damn, that looked good.
1: And Jared them. actually talked about that during his podcast. He talked about that on his podcast. How um they were put together and the and what and the matches that they had together and thing and what they learned from each other and the whole thing. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Now imagine them him, hooking up in TNA and having even more freedom to do what they do. Right. I just I think back on it, and yes, I did love the Blue Blazer gimmick. I loved how he said he was coming in to clean up WWE. I loved it. I could have did without it. You know, as as me, this is a 41-year-old talking. And, you know, at 18, I'm like, you know, 17, 18, I'm like, I love it. I love it. I love it. But 41, I'm like, I could have did without it. Because if, if we didn't have that gimmick to come back, he would still be here. And the,
1: the, the gimmick to me I never understood why they did that or why they needed to do that uh for them to bring it back like they did and that was what ended up being his demise I never understood I never understood why they would need to do that you know but uh yeah uh it's just it's just, it's just it's just sad.
0: Unnecessary. And Daryl says the blue blazer gimmick was a joke. It you know, looking at it now as as an older adult, I yeah, I do feel it was a joke, and I feel it was it was unnecessary because you had Owen, double J Jeff Jarrett, they were tag team champions, they had something going because you had Jeff Jarrett. And you had uh, 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 Miss Deborah. She was their valet, and it was just it it worked. That whole thing just worked because Jared did the talking on the mic. Sometimes, if Owen had something to say, he would say something. But then it was it wasn't too many tag teams that could keep up with them. You had something that worked. Then you went in and you did this. I just I I I. Sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, if we would have we would have went without that and just let Owen Hart be Owen Hart. I mean, hell, Owen Hart well, and, just and, and him sit and rest up for a few months. Yeah, if you, especially if he didn't have nothing for him. And right over the years, they just kind of just threw him like uh when him and Coco B were and they were high energy. That was a time he could have been sitting at home. Working on something else, you know, you didn't have to put him with Coco B with it, as high energy. Um, him and The Rock and him being a part of The Nation, I thought that was good because you know, The Nation yeah. had their feud with uh DX, The Rock had taken over as leader of the nation from Farouk. Farouk had went on to become an acolyte with uh Bradshaw, and that's another story in itself. That the, the amount of stories that uh, uh Ron Simmons and 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 JBL have on the road with Teddy Long cuz they all used to ride together the amount of stories absolutely hilarious and and everybody says Ron Simmons is the man you call when you need to know something you call Ron Simmons uh 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 the godfather Charles Wright he said when he was getting ready to go to WCW before he went he called Ron Simmons and Ron said don't go there he said those are southern boys you a northern boy don't go there And he wound up not going. They wound up signing Virgil instead of him. And he came back. He was supposed to come back as Papa Shango, but he came back as the godfather. And the rest is history. So, but you had so much there. And it's like WWE didn't... Creative was good back then, but they just didn't use everybody to their full potential. And the roster wasn't that big when you had that many people to manage. It wasn't like WCW where you had so many people and you had so little time to use them. It wasn't like that. You had people in places and you didn't do it all the time.
1: I think the only reason that they put him together with Coco Beware was because they knew they were two good hands that could give them a good 15 minutes with somebody they were trying to build up. And they didn't really have a lot of tag teams, relevant tag teams at that time because Vince wasn't a tag team guy. He, would, he didn't he didn't really get into the tag teams like that. So, But they did have a tag team division that they needed to maintain. So they needed somebody that could give them a good 15, 20 minutes against somebody that they were going to put the belts on or they were going to, prepare to build up to get ready for the belts so i mean i understood why they put them together like that the blue blazer thing was just
0: absolutely unnecessary totally now help me understand this help me remember this who was it that told owen hart that he was just a nugget floating in the toilet who told him that Cause that's what that's when the I am not a Nugget promo came out, and that was a, that was another good promo when we talked about promos earlier. That was another good promo. I am not a Nugget, but I can't remember Triple, who told him.
1: was that, H, was that when they, when that, was that during the DX um, DX thing. I th-
0: I think it might have been. I can't remember. Like for the last
1: it was either Triple H or Shawn Michaels.
0: I want to say. Hmm.
1: And that's, you a know, that's a good question. That's a good question. because I, I can't really remember, but I want to say it was either Triple H or Shawn Michaels.
0: And Daryl just chimed in. He said, if not mistaken, Triple H. I think it was. And, but but that's that was not like what Triple H would say. <laughs> But if, that was a part of his it, heel it, turn as well. The Triple H or The Rock.
1: That sounds like something they would say. But I'm thinking it was Triple
0: H. Yeah. And Daryl says uh WCW had all the old high-profile wrestlers with no storylines. That's true. WCW will pay you to sit home. They will pay you to sit at home and just collect the check. That was it. And then they'll fire you by FedEx. So that that was WCW. Yeah. And that was the problem with WCW. See, WWE slash F. Or F slash E, whichever way you want to put it, they had time and opportunity for people, and they used almost everybody. But you know, they had so many shows. You had Raw, then you had the Invent of SmackDown. Then you had Shotgun Saturday night. Then you had Sunday night heat. You had something almost every night of the week. Main event. Shoot. Oh my God. I remember uh what was it? WWE world, WWF world up in New York, and they would do Sunday night heat from there? I mean, it's crazy. The, the amount of opportunity.
1: Which, which, which I always said, and I'm bringing this back to us now. I always said that I believe ESPN took their concept of ESPN zone from WWE New York.
0: Well you, you 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 know uh which wait wasn't WWE New York wasn't ESPN zone around first? Oh sure. um, I can't remember I, shoot. I knew about uh ESPN zone late ninety nine, early two thousand. Well I started working there in February two thousand. Yeah, I started so, working February two thousand. That's when they opened up uh that's when they opened up Atlanta. Yeah, and we o- we opened in DC because <laughs> when we went in there for interviews, they weren't even finished because we, we had the Super Bowl that year. Mm, That's so like, y'all got all of this stuff.
1: We they, we they opened up they opened up ESP ESPN. They opened up ESPN Atlanta to set up for the Super
0: Bowl. And I know around the same time, WWF New York was open. And I want to say that that may have opened in 99. I think they all both opened, you know, because you had ESPN Zone in Baltimore first. Then we had DC. Because Baltimore yeah, Atlanta was, was,
1: Atlanta was, like, Atlanta was like the fourth or the fifth store, fifth, fifth, fourth or fifth location to
0: open. Yeah. Because I think uh, California was the last one. That was the one with the skateboard.
1: Yeah, Anaheim was last.
0: Yeah. Cause I wish Don was here. He would know. Cause I think he opened up Anaheim. I think he did that one. Yeah. I think he, he did the opening for that one.
1: Yeah. Cause we had a super. We had a supervisor named Janice that wound up going to Anaheim to help open them up. I was up for that too, but I got passed up.
0: Mm. <clears throat> and didn't it was one in New York as well? It was the ESPN Zone in New York too, wasn't it? Yep. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it was. Across the street from, from WWE where? New York,
1: because because actually, if I remember correctly, they were going to take that old WWE New York space, and they got outbid for it,
0: so they went across the street. Mm. I think they opened it the same because I, I want to say it started in New York, then Baltimore, then DC, and well, DC and Atlanta, then Anaheim.
1: No, I thought I, I thought Baltimore was always
0: first. Was Baltimore first? I don't know. Baltimore was first. See, that now, you, now you're going to make me go look this up.
1: Baltimore, 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 New York, Philly, I think. Then there was one other one that I can't remember right now. And then Atlanta. Then after Atlanta, there was another one. And then Anaheim was last.
0: Oh, I think yeah, Baltimore. It's something that. like that. I'm, I'm. That's, that's
1: when that's been 20 years ago
0: too. So <laughs> Yeah, and you look we
1: trying to sit there and remember that on top of our head. Hey, I've lost a lot of brain cells since then. <laughs> so, you know.
0: Uh Atlanta, Georgia. Anaheim, California, and Disney Resort, Baltimore Street, I mean, Baltimore Maryland, Pratt, uh, Pratt Street, Power Plant, Anaheim Harbor, uh, Denver, Colorado, Chicago, Illinois, um, the Vegas Strip in Nevada, Los Angeles, California, Times Square, uh, of course, the um, one in downtown D.C. Those were all your locations. And that's me, that's myself that. and the boss, BJ, were just talking about that. Said that I you know about Denver, Chicago. Yeah, I, I, did I too. never,
1: I never heard of, I never heard about them. I never, I never heard anything about Denver or Chicago at
0: all. The whole time I was working for ESPN, Zone, never and I, heard anything, one word about them. I heard rumblings about Vegas, but I never knew that they actually built it. But I think Vegas and California were your two biggest ones. And myself and the boss BJ were talking the other day. I want to say it was yesterday we were talking. I said, man, you know what I miss about ESPN Zone because it, it it gave me an idea for a bathroom in my house. You know, the screening level you go to you go to cobber squat you look up it's a thirty two inch TV sitting over top of the toilet. You go to you go to the we urinal in have- the men's bathroom. You got a TV about this big right there. You didn't miss anything.
1: We had the year we had the urinal TVs. We didn't have the TVs in above the stalls. Oh, have really?
0: Oh, um, we it. Have- what, what what that was a uh, screening room level, screening room and restaurant level. It was TVs in the bathroom, but down because, you know, I our, was was different because we were backwards. When you walked in, you walked into the restaurant, you come down to this, the middle level was the um, the screening room. That's where you, of course, you had all the TVs and the big screen and everything. And you go down to the bottom floor. That's where the arena was. And in the arena, you look up and it was like a scoreboard. It was what, 12 TVs hanging over top of the arena. So we had a big open hole in the floor. So you can see everything.
1: Now, like see, you can sh- stand up top
0: and look straight down.
1: The screen room, the screen room at, in Atlanta. When you walked in, you walked right to the bar. Then you walked down this ramp on either side. You had tables. You had a level of tables. You had a second level of tables. Then at the bottom, in front of the big screen, you had those recliners Mm -hmm. and you had we had the big screen but then you had eight smaller screens on either side and then Mm -hmm. you had the TVs that were on the recliners and you had TVs
0: that were at the tables oh see we didn't have TVs at the tables I don't think
1: and you had and you could change they had everything every, every TV had something different so, you could actually change from one channel to another to see what you wanted to see. So, we had also on a Sunday, we would have all the football games at one o'clock. You would have, you'd be able to switch your TV to whatever um, game you wanted to look at at your table. And then you also had the big screen.
0: Yeah. And I, what was it? Marsh Madness. It was a uh, March Madness 2000. Now you know I'm a big fan of March Madness, and I've never experienced the atmosphere like the first, especially first round. Now you know first round back then starts on Thursday afternoon. Well, no, yeah, Thursday and Friday you got first round action, second round action, Saturday and Sunday. I worked all four of those days. I've never seen an atmosphere and never seen that many people hyped up over first round games. I remember working championship game night and that was April. Cause we, we were just, it was kind of like a soft open. It wasn't a grand <laughs> open, but people were flooding in to the point where we were turning people away championship. I went, who was it? Uh, it was Florida and somebody. They gave us March madness, Pamp uh the 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 program from down at at the site. I forget where it was at. I don't want to say it was New Orleans, but I may be wrong. I have to look it up. But I got I had basketballs, I had programs, I had so much stuff just from March Madness. Then they split the floor in the screening room down the middle. You had one team on one side, one team on the other. Where, depending on who you were rooting for, they sat you on those sides. And it's like they put the divider down the middle. And you couldn't cross the divider, but it was so loud. NBA playoffs. Because remember, we were going through the lockout of the NBA. So we everything was just there. So we get to the conference finals. I think it was conference finals. It was in the playoffs. You had Miami and New York. It came down to the final seconds. I've never heard ESPN zone go definitely quiet you could hear rat piss on cotton at this time new york wound up winning the game everybody's loud i mean they turned every tv on the last couple of seconds of this game so all you hear is that everybody's quiet everybody can stop music to stop basketballs to stop bouncing people stop eating food when new york wins i swear you can feel the building shake because so many people wanted new york to win And then the shit's talking started and then the laughing and the joke and the drink started flowing and everybody, it was just an atmosphere that you had to, you you had to be there to experience that atmosphere during that time. It's nothing like it in the world. And my kids asking daddy, why don't you go to Dave and and, buses and, and stuff like that to watch the game? It's not the same. The service is not the same. The, the, the atmosphere is not the same. It's not my type of crowd anymore. And I can't do it. And Daryl say, uh, "It's always upsets the first round of the tournament." Yeah, it is. But I've never seen people flock to a bar, <laughs> and not even a bar. I never seen people flock into some place like that to settle in and watch all of the games.
1: Now, like I said, we had we had the Super Bowl. <clears throat> we had a few um, tournament things because Atlanta had. Atlanta is a regional spot and mm-hmm. and has held final four a few times uh boxing matches you know different types of events you know yeah I've I've experienced a lot of those now and, and wait the, y'all and got boxing yeah we got boxing sometimes yeah
0: man we only had one boxing match the whole time I was there and that was uh, Lennox Lewis versus Michael Grant we got that
1: we was got it. some boxing matches we got some boxing matches and they wouldn't even give on. us one but uh but yeah, but, um, but, now, but now, the closest I've gotten outside of ESPN for that type of experience, I had I, I moved to Maryland. And I was hanging out with Mr. Thompson. And we had went to a, a, a friend of ours funeral and decided that a bunch of us from the funeral were going to go to this cigar lounge a damn downtown DC called Civil, Civil Cigar Lounge. And a bunch of us were there, you know, we were drinking and smoking, reminiscing about this friend of ours who was a co worker of ours. But it was the same night that the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, beat Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That whole place went. I mean, that whole place went silent when everybody realized with like six minutes left that this could happen. Mm. <laughs> and so we the whole bar, I mean, full. The, the, the whole cigar lounge was full of people, and everything just pretty much stopped those last six minutes. And we what sat there and watched this had this history making moment happen. Now, <clears throat> granted. I went to the I went to North Carolina Central University I was there in the late 80s early 90s okay that was when Duke of Carolina was running the NW, NCAA. Duke had won a few times Duke had won a few years in a row Carolina wound up winning one I'm on their campus I'm on, I'm on their campuses celebrating with them on their yards when these championships happen. Hell, 1989, North Carolina Simpson University won the Division II National Championship the same year Duke did. And we were trying to get the two teams, we, we, there was a petition that was going around trying to get us to play Duke to unify the titles. <laughs> seriously. And that was that, seriously. Wow! I'm not, I'm not joking. It was going. It was the whole the whole state was like, "Look, we need to get these two teams together to see what happens." Not to mention that there's history between Duke and Carolina because I forget what year it was. I think it was around the '40s. There was a secret. I mean, then this is like there's segregation. You know, you didn't you know black folks. Black white folks didn't deal with black folks. The whole shit, right? There was a secret game that was played between Duke University and North Carolina Central University. Nobody was there, but the teams, the coaches, and a few people that was there to record what happened. and when do and we never really and after that we never really played each other until like i want to say 2010 2000 somewhere in the 2010s the two te- the two schools got together and decided they were going to start playing each other that's when carolina started that's when central started playing carolina we started playing uh, a lot of the ACC teams and whatnot during our preseason and whenever we would play Duke, we would always they would always bring up that secret game. Because nobody really knew about it unless you knew. So yeah. It's, 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 it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But um, but that you UNBC game against Virginia, and then they turn around the next year, they win the national championship, talk about the worst of first. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But hey, you bet you 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 there. Yeah. You're there. You're there. You know. Man. They could never take that away. They could never take that away
0: from UNBC. Not at all. And that was a magical run for them. what they made it all the way to the final four.
1: They made it all the way. They made it all the way to if they didn't make the final four, they were dead. They made it to the quarterfinal, the semifinal round. So yeah, so but yeah, it was it was it was yeah the quarterfinal because final four is a semifinal, so they made it to the quarterfinal. So yeah, they had a nice run. And, I mean, and, just like just like when Michigan lost to Appalachian State, you can't take you can't take shit like that away from them.
0: That is true, and that right there was a wild day in college football when they lost to Appalachian State. Right. Nobody was expecting it. Was a couple of upsets that happened that day. And Darryl got a, a message for you. He said the Devils would have blew him out.
1: Yes, they would have. I admit that. <laughs> I admit that. But think, but but see, here's the thing, though. Think about what that game would have brought to both of those schools if no one else but to North Carolina Central. Think about. I mean, think about it. Look at the North Carolina Central's basketball team right now under Lavelle and and, I'm, and folks, I'm sorry. We are on a serious tangent. This has nothing to do with Oklahoma, okay? I, I, and I understand that. But, you know, we're on a serious tangent right now. You can – you can this will be part of the Sunday rise. How about that? <laughs> we start early. We start early on the Sunday rise, okay? Okay. So, I mean, yeah, think about what that – think about right now. North Carolina Central has a squad right now within uh, the NCAAs. Now, we're not top 25. We probably never make top 25 because we don't have that strength to schedule to make top 25, granted. But think about what that – or a game like that, two national champions – Going up against each other in the same state, both schools about ten minutes apart. Think about what that game would have done for North Carolina Central as a black as an HBCU.
0: Kind of like a college game day showing up to uh, 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 Jackson State today. Right.
1: I mean Lavelle Moton, Lavelle Moton the coach of North Carolina Central University was on that 89 championship game, championship team I was talking about. He was on that team, okay? He's got legendary status on that campus. You can imagine over the past 10 years, how many schools have approached him trying to get him to their schools and he's staying loyal to us and we appreciate and love him for that, okay? Now, the day that he decides he's going to up and leave and go to a, a PWI yes. or a, a mid to is contention, we're going to be happy for him. We, we're, we're giving him his flowers right now. And just and as a matter of fact, they, we just had our, our so-called midnight madness just a couple of nights ago, but we didn't have a midnight madness. We had a ten forty break, and for those <laughs> and for those who don't know, let me let me explain it to you. Okay, on North Carolina Central's campus at ten forty on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have what we call a ten forty break from ten forty a.m. to eleven thirty five a.m. All the classes stop and give the, give the different clubs and organizations within the school an opportunity to have meetings or gatherings during that time during the day. So for those that aren't part of clubs or organizations on campus, it's a time for us to just hang out, figure out where the next party going to be, you know, you know, get together with people that are going to for and whatnot, doing what we do, doing what we do, right? So. Everybody from surrounding campuses would always come to our campus for 1040 break because we always had a DJ out there somewhere. We always It was always a party out there during 1040 break, and everybody knew about us. So they wanted to come to the campus and experience it. So instead of doing Midnight Madness, we did our Midnight Madness at 1040 to keep that legacy going.
0: I've never heard of that before. Now, you just enlightened me to something that I'd like to be a part of. (laughs) I will say that. It's
1: another another way to make us different.
0: You know, another
1: way to make us different.
0: Everybody, every school does Midnight Madness. I used to get hyped up for Midnight Madness, but I I don't I don't get hyped up for it anymore because everybody does it. So this 1040 break, I, I like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's fun and and, it, and, it, and like I said, it keeps the legacy going because that was something that started right before I got to Central and it kept going and it's still going. We still have 1040 breaks on our well, campus.
0: Daryl say do a show from there. Man, hey. I don't know how much show going to get done. I don't <laughs> know
1: how much show going to get done because I mean, hey, look. look let, let me let me, t- let me put it to you this way. When I was at North Carolina Central University, the ratio female to male was 25 to 1. And that has not changed. Mm. (laughs) Mm. When I was going to North Carolina Central, there was one male dorm on the yard. One. And you had to walk from main campus, past the football stadium, up this forty-five degree incline to our de- to our dormitory on the top of the hill. Mm. We used to call we used to call Chidley Hall Castle Grey School
0: because it's because because
1: it's not because it was on sitting on the top of a hill where the whole campus could see it, and we had we had um, there was this we had what we called the uh, the. Um, it was steam power from mm. back in the day, so there was a steam grate on the side of the campus, and it always produced steam out of this grate. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was an outward grate, so the steam could release, and you could see that steam cover that whole dormitory, and it looked all spooky like a damn uh, horror movie. Or one of those old movies where you see a castle up on the top of the hill, and they always mm-hmm. have smoke around it or a cloud around it. That's what Chilly Hall looked like on a regular basis. We call mm. the Castle Grace. We call the Castle Grace girl because it wasn't nothing but he man up in that motherfucker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Look, we did. I said it before we started. Before we even got old, I said, "Man, we ain't got no time limit." Hey, we done hit an hour and thirty eight. We go wrap this thing up.
1: <laughs> like I say, like I said a little while ago, we we have gone off on a serious tangent right now. You know, we done gone from Owen Hart to talking about my days at North Carolina Central University. Even though it is homecoming, it's our homecoming. That's true. Them fools. Fools over in Greensboro had theirs today. You know they wound up beating some team somewhere, whatever.
0: <laughs> and the thing but, is, we 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 went from Owen Hart to no, we went to what did we go? We Owen started Hart. with Dusty.
1: Owen Owen Hart. Hart. We started with Dusty. Went to Owen Hart. Started talking about um, ESPN Zone. Which segue to the NCAAs. Then that segwayed into me talking about my school.
0: <laughs> At least we know how we got here.
1: Yeah, man, we know we know the route.
0: <laughs> and Darryl say the Chiefers. <laughs> the Chiefers? I don't know who the Chiefers are. <laughs> I don't
1: know. You need to explain that one, bro.
0: <laughs> oh, man. But we got to get out of here because we got Uh, Tomorrow we got the Sunday rise, of course, in the morning coming through NFL news, notes, analysis, picks. Um, Got some things to cover. Um, But before we get out of here, let me say this. I read some news today about Mrs. Foley's baby boy, uh, Mick Foley, not doing too well, not doing too well. Um, So let's keep him uplifted. And, you know, he's a legend in the business all the way around the board. So. Keep him well, y'all go.
1: Well, y'all go to TikTok or wherever he was. He did, and, and this and this brings this full circle. You're gonna appreciate this. He went on TikTok or or on his cameo, and he did a version of the Hard Times promo as mankind. Hmm. So you might. So y'all might want to go check that out. It's on YouTube. But uh, he did it on one of his cameos. So uh, but it but it made it to YouTube, and I think uh, it's on. A, but you can you can Google it or go on YouTube and look it up. But it's interesting. It's just him in his mankind mask. All you can see is like his nose up, and he's doing the hard. He's doing the whole hard times promo. I
0: right, now I'm getting ready to go watch that. And and Daryl has <laughs> offered an explanation. He said all that smoke. <laughs>
1: that was steam
0: not smoke okay oh man well thank you everyone for listening we
1: are law law abiding citizens at North Carolina (laughs) (laughs) University we we even have our own law school while you're bullshitting top five black law law schools in the country
0: statistics don't lie numbers don't lie somebody calling yeah I don't we, know who that is I don't know nobody in Maine <laughs> well we gotta get up out of here cause James getting phone calls from Maine I guess it's the, it's the big people from the truck calling um <laughs> oh man Daryl says uh wait oh man what about the comments go <laughs> he says sure <laughs> man hey look thank
1: y'all hey, look I will neither confirm or deny. I will all I know is I have never. This is about the most cheaping I've ever done. Period.
0: And he got through a whole one tonight, so you know we've been on for a minute.
1: And this Logan Paul and this Logan Paul Paul anderson Silva fight hasn't even started yet. So I got another one coming.
0: Hmm. So thank you everyone for joining us. Uh Thank you for everything, you know, all the support, all the love. Ah, get to come back and do have, it again I, in 12 hours.
1: I miss y'all. I'm going to let you know. I, I, I'm not just bullshitting around and just not feeling like coming on here. Believe me, I miss being here, on here with y'all doing this. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of professional wrestlers since 1974. I don't mind telling my age. You know what I'm saying? So uh, as much as Don talks about how old I am, you know I, I wear it gracefully so you know but i be, but y'all I, I miss dealing with y'all i miss uh i miss these times uh being on here with y'all and i look forward to the next
0: one yes indeed and for the for the record we miss you being here and uh damn uh you you off next week so week after next yeah
1: yeah we'll definitely have to talk about um Crown Jewel. Yes. I'll have to see if I can talk the fellas into doing a that's So Nubian because we are far, far behind on independent wrestling, especially when it comes to New Japan, because they got a whole lot of stuff going on. And um to the to um to Ben, to Ben, I'm i am I'ma bring something up for you. Now when we did the New Year's Eve. Or the New Year's Night uh, show that we did this past December thirty first, mm-hmm. we all gave we all gave uh, predictions for what was going to happen in sports, and I said something in particular that you didn't necessarily agree with. I'm gonna need you to follow up on that, brother.
0: <laughs> well that is the bat signal being put out and daryl says he right there with you yeah he's he been in love with wrestling for about that long too um but that's the bat signal being put out for the midnight uh rider so we gonna have to get that together because damn it's crazy to think about it. we coming up on another new year's eve show in two months like that is absolutely crazy two months from monday we talking about the end of the year. Wow, yeah. man. And Daryl said, I'd have forgot more people than I've more than most people know. Shoot. Them wrestling almanacs, man. I used to sit there and study that damn thing. I would study that wrestling almanac, like I don't know what. Need to get back into buying it. But we gotta get up out of here. Thank you for joining us oh, always. We
1: also, we also need to bring up the uh PWI 150 for the women that came out. We need to talk about that too.
0: So most definitely. Let me let me get to writing to that the, down. PWI, PWI
1: 150. On yeah, the PWI 150 women's list came out recently, and we need to go over that because there's some interesting names and placements
0: on that list. So uh, I'm gonna have a problem with that like I always do. So <laughs> uh Always remember um, to uh, diversify your bonds.
1: Konnichiwa, bitches.